You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio and also outside, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along for another off-season edition of the pod, but as we all know, the off-season in the NFL can be just as intriguing as the regular season. And with this offseason for the Indianapolis Colts, that certainly seems to be the case. We'll discuss the latest developments in the quarterback market. Also, Jim Ursay spoke this week for the first time since the horseshoe season ended. Uh, we'll get a little bit of his thoughts on the quarterback specifically. Also, debate some Colts free agents. The team, should they resign them? Should they not resign them? Let them walk. It is a significant offseason for free agents for the Colts. I believe it's 10 starters or 11 if you count George Odom as well in special teams. Uh, an all-pro special teamer, who are starters that are uh, either up for free agency or have retired uh, already. So it's a, it's a, an offseason that will likely see a significant amount of change for the Colts moving forward. But we will first start with the news around the NFL. And that begins in the AFC South as the Houston Texans have found their new head coach and as Ravens assistant head coach Dave Culley accepting the job uh, a few more issues for the Houston Texans. We will get to shortly when we uh, really dive into quarterbacks, though. Uh, but uh, but Mike, this is um, it's it's a guy who's not it, it's not exactly in the same vein that you see uh, taking hold of the NFL. The young offensive mind, the guy like Nick Sirianni to the Eagles, um, but he, he's he's a guy who has paid a lot of dues in the NFL and certainly did a really good job with uh, with. Lamar Jackson over the past couple of years and uh, turned the Ravens offense into something that was uh, pretty dangerous for a little while. Yeah. And you kind of thought they were going to go offense just because of Watson. Uh, who I think the final two, wasn't it? Uh, Cully and Leslie Frazier, I believe it was, which I mean, you're, you're which way you want to go offense or defense. And when you've got the quarterback, <laughs> if yeah. you have the quarter, if right. you have the quarterback, <laughs> you want to bring in a voice that, that, that can help him along. And I, we'll get into it later. God, it's fun watching the Houston Texans and, and what they're doing and not doing and what may happen. And I'm just going to get back and get me a bag of popcorn so back and watch this franchise implode. For real. And, and Colts fans will, will love to see it. They will love to see uh, the, the dumpster fire burn, it seems like right now. You know, it, 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 ta- it takes a lot to make you forget that they dumped DeAndre Hopkins. It really does. But we're on the verge of that. So it appears defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus will remain with the Colts into 2021 and perhaps beyond as all head coaching vacancies have been filled. Um, But certainly the Colts have lost some staff. Obviously, head coach Nick Sirianni now with the Philadelphia Eagles took a couple Colts assistants with him. Jason Michael with tight ends, Kevin Petullo, the pass game specialist, and uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, who's now the defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles, are are all gone from Indy, so... Uh, the Colts will somewhat promote from within. They retain quarterback coach Marcus Brady, who has been promoted to offensive coordinator in Nick Sirianni's place. Um, Mike, he's a guy who spent 12 seasons as a coach at the professional level. What, what have your impressions been of Marcus Brady the few times we've gotten the chance to, to chat with him? Very well-spoken, very detailed, very uh, personable, which shouldn't have a lot to do with whether a coach is here or not. But I get the impression that they have a, a – not the impression – they clearly have a lot of respect for what he brings. You know, you 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 elevated a guy to coordinator who's been a assistant in the NFL for three years. Uh, I realize he's got a deep history at the CFL, but you, you've got to, again you elevated a guy to OC who's been with you three years and been in the NFL for three years. So uh, it's you're always looking for continuity, but you're not gonna you're not gonna sacrifice quality a quality person just to have. Continuity, so it's clear they've got a, a, a ton of respect for Marcus Brady, and uh, you know Frank. Th- this is still Frank Reich's offense; he'll still call the plays. But whatever voice he used to have from Nick Sirianni will now be Marcus Brady in in game planning and in preparation for the upcoming game. Yeah, Joe Frank has always said that it's a collaborative effort uh, on the offensive side of the ball, including Nick, including Marcus, really in that uh, in that vein, as it was for him back in Philadelphia when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, when it was him and then head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback coach uh, John DeFilippo. Um, so, so having Brady stay along just as some continuity in, in that, uh, that brain trust, I'm sure, is, is beneficial. But, of course, they're going to have to bring in uh, someone else to, 
to kind of fill the void of, of Sirianni. And uh, Scott Milanovic is, is that uh, apparent uh, guy to replace uh, Brady as quarterback coach. He was the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, the Toronto Argonauts, and the CFL for a while. Um, he did not play the, – the CFL did not play in 2020, uh, so he was technically not really head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, even though he was head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. But he was quarterback coach for the Jaguars for a couple of years. And, Joe, during that time, we saw the best of Blake Bortles when the Jaguars were one play away from the Super Bowl. The, Bra- uh, the Brady Bunch beat them, uh, the, the other Brady Bunch, the, the Patriots. And um, he also, uh, for, for a time, saw Gardner Minshew, who is not exactly a – well thought of quarterback prospect performed pretty well. So you, you say Jaguars quarterback coach Joe, and immediately some red flags might come up. But at the same time, you look at what he was able to accomplish there, and it was better than some what some other coaches were able to accomplish in Jacksonville. Yeah, if you can get to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles, I'd say that's pretty good on your record right there. Um, <laughs> uh, to be completely honest, I don't know a hot ton about Scott Milanovic. Um, I don't think a lot of people do, but you look at his track record, like you said, with getting the most out of some quarterbacks who aren't reeking of talent. I, I, I like that track record. So for the Colts quarterback future, no better voice to hear from than owner and CEO Jim Ursay, going into his 25th year now as the Colts owner. On Wednesday, Jim Ursay spoke with the media and said quite a bit about quarterbacks, understandably so. Spoke about Andrew Luck, which we, we are not getting into. I, I, I am Andrew Luck. Thank out. You. Yeah, you're welcome. This, this will not be a topic of discussion. And Joe, I'm glad you didn't put him in the, uh, in the rundown. You are wise beyond, beyond the years of many in Indianapolis who, uh, who dove into everything that Ursay had to say about Luck, which was leaving the door open. The, the door may be open, but Andrew Luck ain't walking through that door. So that, that's all we're going to say. And we're going to move on to people who might actually be quarterback for the Colts in 2021. And Jim Ursay says, our belief, is that we're close in terms of competing for a Super Bowl. We have a tremendous nucleus of players that are capable of competing for the Super Bowl very soon. Ideally, if you can get someone to come in this year, meaning some quarterback to come in this year and several years after, who is ready, it gives you the best opportunity. And you don't have as much of a maturation aspect of seeing them develop and get to that level that they need to get to and get to the Super Bowl and win it. We'll just have to see where opportunity pushes us. We'd love to be able to get a great young quarterback, and obviously there are some out there that have been talked about coming out in this draft. That's the end of the quote. He went on to say the, the ideal quote, I think the word he used was ideal situation for a franchise to get a young quarterback. But, but Mike, that quote was very telling to me, saying that, uh, again, ideally right now, using kind of the same word in a different, different area, that if you can get someone to come in this year and several years after who is ready, it gives you your best opportunity. And if he talks up the roster and Chris Ballard talks up the roster that he has built over the last three, four years here in Indianapolis, then as Jim Ursay said, the best opportunity to compete with that roster is not going to be with the rookie. It's going to be with the veteran who can come in right now and for, quote, several years after, end quote. So what was your takeaway from what Jim Ursay had to say, and specifically that quote right there? Yeah, I think there's two ideals here. Ideal one is you stay at 21 and you find that quarterback who can step in and play right away. Well, that's not realistic. It's, it's just not. So barring that, then ideal number two is, like he said, is finding a guy, Philip Rivers-like, you know, that can step in and, and not miss a beat and, and take you to where you want to go further than they went this year. And the list starts with, with Matthew Stafford. It just, it just does. Uh, I'm not sure any quarterback has been more underappreciated over his career than Matthew Stafford playing playing in Detroit, which is a, a, an NFL abyss. But yeah, I, I think he basically, to, to me, Ursay just he, he didn't even hide the fact that he wants to bring in a veteran. And he said, "What well, this year or a few years, we'll get to Stafford probably a little bit, a little bit more." But if if you focus on Stafford, in my mind. Is with the idea that he's here for two years with a contract, and then you sign him to an extension. I, I just think you, I don't know that they go all in with Stafford with the idea that it's two years. And you know we can argue well, what's a what's a four year extension for a guy who's going to be thirty five, hundred and thirty million dollars. I don't know, but I I think Ursay wants a guy who can step in a, a play and plug plug and play guy right away, so there isn't any any real slippage in where you should be. And right now, right now, the most realistic 
possibility is Matthew Stafford. Yeah, Joe, when, when I heard Jim Irsay say, uh, make that quote, I, I immediately, immediately thought of Matthew Stafford to say somebody who can play right now and have a couple years more. Um, I mean, some, some fans, Colts fans, who are, um, who are high on the hog will think that uh, it, it, he's talking about, uh, what's his name, uh, Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun Watson, is not. Uh, there, there's better chance, in, in my opinion, that Andrew Luck's coming to Indy than Deshaun Watson, which, which is still 0%. So, well, why uh, Andrew Luck lives in Indy? Yes, exactly. So, well, excuse me. He is going to play for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> there you go. Part, there you pardon go. My, uh, my verbiage there, and I, I should know better. Being a journalist, words are important, but but you are correct. Um, so if, if he's looking for a quarterback who can come and play one year, not just one year, like Philip Rivers, I think Ursay realizing the situation they were in last year, having Rivers for one year is fine. But ideally, once again, using that word, ideally, you want someone to come in this year and for several years who is ready. And like I said, Joe, Matthew Stafford jumped off the page to me. We'll get into him a little bit more, but it is, I'm, I'm wondering what your take was when you saw that quote. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here, fellas. I don't think that the draft gives you what Jim Irsay said they're looking for. Uh, it's going to get, you know, I'm, I've seen some Colts fans who are less than excited about Matthew Stafford. But when you think about drafting a quarterback, especially if you have to trade up from 21 to go get him, and he ends up being as good as Matthew Stafford, that's a huge success. Like if you draft a quarterback, you want him to be as good as Matthew Stafford. So just trading for someone who's that good right now, you don't have to wait three or four years, I think is kind of what Jim Ursay is alluding to would be the best situation for the Colts. So Twitter also went into a frenzy this week after Aaron Rodgers called his future uncertain after a certain playoff loss to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And even Robert Mathis, Colts great, tweeted that, yeah, I'm jumping out there. I want hashtag AR12. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old, so he has about four years, five years on Matthew Stafford. But uh, at the same time, Packers president Mark Murphy seemed to throw a wet blanket on, uh, on every other fan base in the NFL's dreams, saying that uh, we're not idiots, quote unquote, in Green Bay. And Mike, if Aaron Rodgers is playing for any other team in 2021, it, it seems this, this seems like a thing that happens with Aaron Rodgers. Like every couple of years, he's upset, and yet he always comes back and plays with uh, plays with Green Bay and has a MVP caliber season like he did last year. I think this would be another pipe dream to have Aaron Rodgers come and suit up as a quarterback for your team. Well, he tried to walk it back a little bit a day or a day or two ago on Pat McAfee's show, uh, but but the, you know all, all things are, are possible. But I just think the idea of the, the Packers. I don't get the impression that the, the backstory on the Packers and Rodgers even approaches what it is with Houston and, and Watson. The, the problem, the problem is, is one that's been created by the Packers by, by, by drafting Jordan Love last year in the first round and, and basically saying he's our quarterback of the future. Well, the question is, when does that future start? And, and, and that's why, to go back to Stafford a little bit with the Colts, the, the, the question that's a relative term is what's long-term? You want your long-term future at quarterback. If you get, you know, the guy, Trevor Lawrence or Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, although Luck didn't turn out to be, long-term might be 10 or 12 years or Manning 13, 14 years. But failing that, in my mind, long-term, five or six years. You know, and if you can get Stafford and, he's, and he can play for six years at a high level, that's long term. It just it does that. That's what it is. You cannot still. You can't continue to be in this area where every year you're addressing the quarterback situation. You just it just puts you sort of in a paralysis as an organization. And the Colts got extremely fortunate, and it just is that they had the league's worst record in '97. And and who's waiting for them? Peyton Manning. Go back and look at how many things had to fall in place for Manning to be in Indianapolis. There was a bunch. And then they, they bought him out in 2011 because of Manning's neck. And who's waiting for him in, in 2012? It's Andrew Luck. Well, the, 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 if I'm not mistaken, the Kansas City Chiefs were like 2-14 and 14 or 1-15 and 15 the next year. And the first pick was Eric Fisher. So it's, it's, it's timing. And one thing that Ballard told us the other day is a lot of times that there's luck involved. He, he didn't, that wasn't capital L, lucky it was luck. Mm -hmm. uh, so it has to be time and, and, and 
all that. So these next this next month probably the thing with Stafford has to get done by mid mid March, I think, because he's got a ten million dollar roster bonus to do that the Lions do not want and will not pay. So that has to get done before then. But this next month is going to be intriguing on who lines up where, how far can you go in the draft? You know, do the Jets take a quarterback, which means Sam Darnold's available? Do, do the Falcons take a quarterback? What are they, four? I think they so. They're up there. So, so do they take a quarterback at four, and then is Matt Ryan available? So uh, it, it, we're still early in the process, but I tell you, it's great conversation on who might do what and who may go where. I thought last year's offseason with quarterbacks was phenomenal with Tom Brady and, and Rivers and Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. This is going to trumpet. It's just going to trumpet because of of the names involved. Guys are going to move, and, and where, where, do the, where do the quarterbacks land? It's just an intriguing offseason. And the uh, the prime target of any NFL team, if you could take any quarterback that's available, quote-unquote available, would be Deshaun Watson for sure. And we'll, we'll point out that Watson has officially requested a trade, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, and that came several weeks ago. So the, the new new head coach in Houston plays absolutely no role. And Deshaun Watson wants out, period. He, he does not like where he is with the organization right now. But, uh, but Joe, once again, it's not going to be Indy, but it's a great thing for Indy that Deshaun Watson is as is, is disappointed as he is there because you certainly don't want to play him twice a year uh, for the next 10, 15 years of, uh, of his career. Yeah, I mean, he almost basically single-handedly beat the Colts twice this year if it wasn't for two fumbles near the goal line. Um, so getting the best, I'll say, the best player in the division out of the division is a huge plus for the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Titans. So now we move on to Matthew Stafford. I know we've touched on him a bit last week. We've already included a little bit of discussion on him today. But Stafford seems to be one of the prime targets, if not the prime target for the Colts, for several reasons that we've already outlined with what Jim Mercer had to say, with just um, some common sense linked in there that we've discussed last week and this week. But, but here's the deal with Stafford. And then we'll get into our thoughts on, on this potential uh, move. So once again, Adam Schefter reported that uh, teams have reached out to the Lions to initiate tra- trade talks. I don't think the Colts were among uh, the teams that, uh, that he mentioned, though. So just, just to be clear. But nevertheless, the Lions and Stafford have agreed to part ways. That was uh, news that broke over the weekend, that um, as the Lions bring in a new head coach, new general manager, uh, they do seem to be, quote-unquote, blowing things up and trying to start from scratch. Uh, Stafford will be 33 years old in February, and he is due $10 million in mid-March, on like the second to third or fourth day, I forget which one it is, of the new league year. So it's the fourth day of the new league year because it's March 21st. So it's likely the Lions want to get him out before they owe him that $10 million. Um, In total, Stafford is owed $43 million over the next two seasons, which is an absolute bargain for a good starting quarterback in the NFL. You look at what the Colts just paid last year. They paid $46 million alone to uh, Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers. So that's over two years, $43 million for uh, the services of Matthew Stafford. Um, the Colts have the second most cap space in the league entering this offseason. Of course, they have a lot of free agents, which we'll get to later in this podcast. So there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of players vying for that $64 million in cap space. Um, but nevertheless, th- th- there's no way that uh, the Colts would be the only team interested in Stafford. So that means the price is going to go up. Um, guys, you look at teams that want a quarterback or could want a quarterback this offseason. The Denver Broncos have the ninth overall pick. The San Francisco 49ers have the 12th overall pick. The Patriots at 15th. Washington football team at 19th. And Mike, I think this is, this is somewhere that if the Colts want Stafford, they have a natural, um, what's the word? They, they are already behind the eight ball because of where they pick in the draft. And that's me assuming that that first round pick is going to be a cornerstone of any deal for Matthew Stafford. And, and I really do strongly assume that it's going to be the case um, because of how many teams could potentially be interested. But the Colts pick at 21st overall, that's, that's behind all those teams I mentioned. The Broncos, the Niners, the Patriots, the Washington football team. So, Mike, if you look at what the Colts are going to have to give up 
it's going to have to be quote unquote more, like more picks or more players, just because of the natural disadvantage you have because of where you pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, let's just say that let's say the two teams that are really hot after Stafford are the Colts and Denver. You get twenty first pick against the ninth pick. That's monster. You're gonna you know, that, that's you know the ninth is that's a lottery pick. So so. And this is all assuming that that, that Ballard is, is ready to really go to war over Matthew Stafford, which I, I don't know why he wouldn't. I don't know what the downside to Stafford would be. 33 does not scare me away at all. But you're already starting from a, a position of weakness because of where you are in the draft, which is it, it's one of those good things. The good thing, bad thing. The good thing is you were 11 and five and playoffs. Well, then, then you've got a bad draft position. So. You're already looking at, you know, what, what are you going to add to it? A two, a conditional two, a conditional three? I don't know. But, but the 21st pick's not going to do it. And, and to say not even close, it, it's, it's, it's not a stretch. So, and, and one thing to keep in mind, too, I just looked at it real quick. The Colts have, was it $65 million in cap space, roughly? I don't know what it is, mid 60s. Denver's at $14 million. So they're going to have to do some, some, some juggling. To make that work as well, and, and, and teams can do whatever they want for the most part to make the cap work. But from a pure, a pure package aspect, the Colts are going to have to give up more along with their first pick than anyone else is, just because of where they are at twenty-one. Again, you're looking at this: what the Denver at nine, the Niners at twelve, even the twelfth pick. That, that, that's a choice pick with, with all the quarterbacks going. So. Uh, I, I I I think if the Colts want to do it, they'll do it, but it's simply going to be expensive. And that's a great point that you make, Mike. With, with the quarterbacks that are expected to go in the top five or even the top ten, wherever it is in this draft, you, you expect there's going to be uh, likely four of them uh, this year, is what uh, what it seems. And if there are four players taken in the top five that are all quarterbacks, that means if you get the ninth overall pick you're going to get one of the top five players in this draft outside of quarterback. That, that is a game changer. That is a franchise-changing pick. 21st? Yeah, maybe. You, you might. Um, you, you expect that person to be a pro bowler down the line. You certainly do when you're picking a 21st overall. That's what you hope for your first-round pick. But if you're, you're picking one of the top five position players in the draft, you, you're expecting that person to be a cornerstone of your franchise for the next 15 years. So, so Joe, uh, like I'll throw this to you. The question becomes, is Stafford worth the cost? As Mike said, it's going to be more than a first-round pick. Whether the uh, Lions would want a player or they want picks, that, that's going to be up to them, how they want to rebuild the franchise moving forward. But uh, th this is going to be the question that is on every Colts fan or every fan of all those teams, Broncos, Niners, Patriots, Washington, doesn't matter. Like, is Stafford worth the cost? And so that's something that we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, from now until Stafford is traded. Uh, whenever that is likely, like I said, by kind of uh, the middle toward the end of March. Yeah, and I think he's absolutely worth the cost. You just look at, you know, all the statistical accomplishments on a bad Detroit team, he'd be worth it. You guys already mentioned the things working against the Colts and that most teams interested in Stafford are going to be picking before them in the draft. But a couple things working in the Colts' favor, um, you kind of already mentioned the salary cap, how that's Broncos are going to have to get creative. And also, teams know and understand, you know, while bidding for one player will drive up the price, knowing that they need to get rid of Stafford before mid-March will drive it down because they got to get rid of him at a certain point. So it'll kind of put a ceiling on how high that price point goes. Whereas with a player like Watson, I mean, Houston's playing it hard as they still don't want to trade him. So from their aspect, this is a player that Houston still wants, and he's going to that ceiling on what he might demand in a trade. There is no ceiling on Deshaun Watson right now. Um, that being said, when considering what it might take for Matthew Stafford, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Colts might seriously entertain spending two first round picks this year and next year on Matthew Stafford, and it 100% be worth it. If you, if you, I agree. If you're giving up two, two, or two number ones, that means you've got to have him here for like six years. I, I don't even consider two ones with the idea that, well, he'll play out his two-year contract and you'll move on. And, and 
that's what I would love. I would love to be able to look in inside the mind of Chris Ballard and, and one see how serious he believes Stafford is the answer, and two, what is his com- commitment level to make that happen? We we know this guy loves draft picks, and he pu- he he pulled off a great trade last year, getting DeForest Buckner here. What a twenty-five-year-old defensive tackle who's a perennial All-Pro player, but that that was one that was. One first-round draft pick. If he gives up two, which I think Ursay would do that in a heartbeat because I think he's driven by the idea that this team's ready to win. For Ballard to do that, he would have to be convinced. Maybe it would be one of those like they did with Buckner. You make the trade and then you sign him to the extension, one after the other. Yeah. And again, that, that, that next contract is going to be a monster contract because he's a quarterback. I completely agree with you, Mike, and that's something I'm sure that is is kind of lost in the reeds when people are just looking at what you know which quarterback you want. Like if Chris Ballard gives up even a first and two second round picks, which which I said on Twitter, I think that's the floor, uh, especially for the Colts uh, offering for, for 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 Stafford. It starts there, a first round pick and two second round picks, and it's likely going to be more than that just because of how the Colts are situated behind all these other teams, like I said in the first round. But anyway, I digress. Like if, if Chris Ballard has given up that much draft capital, there's a 0% chance that he wants that to be for just two years. So do you try to negotiate, like you said, an extension immediately with him? I think, I think he does, if, if, again, the Colts are going down this road. Um, and that leads you to more discussions about, well, how certain are you in Stafford? You better be certain that he's going to be your quarterback and he's going to be healthy and he's going to be okay for the next six years. Like if you want to give him a, a four-year extension or whatever it might be. You look at how old he is right now. He's 32 as of this moment. He turns 33 later in February. Phillip Rivers is 39. He just retired. So you figure that's six years. Tom Brady and Drew Brees are playing until they're 43. And Tom doesn't look like he needs to hang it up anytime soon. Of course, Tom Brady has been hit less than the average quarterback over his 20-plus years in the NFL. Stafford's been hit more than the average quarterback in his uh, uh, 13, 12 years in the NFL, right around that age, uh, that range right now. So, there, there's yeah, there's so much that goes into this, but but I think that's a great point that, that people need, need to realize that Ballard is going to have to give up a lot, and when he gives up a lot, the Colts are therefore going to want to sign him for a while. This is not a this is not a band aid that they want. If it's going to be Matthew Stafford, like Philip Rivers really was, it was one year for sure, maybe two years. But Mike Stafford's not going to be a band aid if indeed they bring him in. Yeah, and one thing to look at it's it's going to be you're going to get be giving up a lot of draft capital. Let's, let's say the one and two twos. Let's just use that. One thing that can sort of allow you to to do that is you've had three pretty good drafts, so you've got a lot of young talent on the roster that maybe for a year or two you can not hit all, all, on all these draft picks where they need to play. Again, this is a relatively young team. You've got some holes to fill, which we'll talk about later, but at least the fact that the roster's in relatively good shape with young players, running back, uh, wide receiver, linebackers, offensive linemen, where obviously you need a left tackle, but but you're not so bereft of talent to where boy, what are we going to do if we don't have two twos the next two or our second round picks the next two years? Well, you sort of you know pre- not prepared for it, but put yourself in a position where if you don't have those picks or if you had them and you'd missed on them, it wouldn't be devastating. So at least again, in that regard, they're they're coming from position of strength roster wise. As of Tuesday night, FanDuel has the Colts at the best odds to land Matthew Stafford this offseason, and sportsbetting.com has the Colts as the second-best odds behind the Denver Broncos. So I'll, I'll pose this question to the group, and Joe, I'll start with you. Mike, you're next, and then I'll round us out. What do you think the chances are, 0 to 100%, that Matthew Stafford suits up next year with a horseshoe on his helmet? I'm actually pretty confident in this because – more than a lot of the other teams looking for a quarterback, Matthew Stafford just seems like that missing piece for the Colts. You know, you mentioned the Broncos, the Patriots roster, Washington's roster. They have a lot more holes than Indianapolis does, and they're not as ready to win right now, although a good quarterback would take them a lot further. I'm going to put the odds at maybe 
55%, and I realize that's really high, but I think Chris Ballard has what, what it takes to get it done, and I think the Colts are in a position to sacrifice that draft capital to win now because of the state of the roster. Mike, what do you think? My goodness, you said 55% was high. I'm thinking it's 75%. Uh, I, I, I just think that, again, you've got an owner who is willing to do virtually anything uh, uh, transaction-wise to make it work. And we, we saw a general manager last year who, who went out of form to get the missing piece on defense. If these guys are convinced and it's cons- consensus inside the building that Stafford is the guy you want, then I say within reason. I, it's hard to know what within reason means. If it means two first-round picks, I, I would – I sort of cringe when I say that. But if you are internally believe he's the guy, I'm not sure two first-round picks is out of the question. And the only way you're going to get him is to outbid people – with the uh, with your draft package, I know one thing. Denver, I saw somebody float out. Denver could could uh, part of the draft package could be Drew Lock send Drew Lock to Detroit. Really? I mean, okay. <laughs> we I, could send Eason at that point. Well, there I you know. know, I know. So, but I, I do believe that I said seventy five percent only because if these guys are convinced this is the, what they need to do, I think they find the way to make it happen. Through, through Ballard, you know, grudgingly sort of giving up a lot of draft picks and Ursay signing off on what would be a monster extension. That's the only way it happens, and I think it, I think it does happen. Those are, those are some high numbers, you guys. You, you <laughs> are. You do, wow. Um, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that high. I, I, I like it about 42% is what I had it in, in as in my head, which would be the best odds, I think, of any team. But like I said, there's, just, there's a lot of teams ahead of you that can offer more. And Joe, I get your point about the Colts might be the best team that Stafford could go to, but the problem is he's not a free agent. I think if he was choosing where he would go, Indy's a great choice. It's still in the Midwest area. Um, Probably have the best offensive line of any of those teams that I mentioned before. So, like, that, that's a, a lot of things, check marks in the Colts' favor. But it's Lions' hands. It's not in Matthew Stafford's hands. And if, the, if it comes down to the Colts and the 49ers are both offering their first and their second, and that's all you're going to get, well, the Niners' first-round pick is at 12, and the Colts is at 21. And the Niners' second-round pick is going to be better than the Colts as well. So they're going to uh, the, it, the Lions will if it's if it's all all things equal, they will ship him somewhere else. They're they're not going to. I doubt they give Stafford a quote-unquote hometown discount for his trade. This is a new general manager who doesn't know Stafford. Who has like you might you might get something from the Fords, the owners, to say. Uh, give him a little leeway, but you might give him the final choice if two teams are offering you pretty much the same thing when it comes down to it, when you stack them all up and you're saying, well, both things are kind of equal, whatever they're offering us, then maybe you go to Stafford and let him pick. But if you're trying to rebuild a franchise like they are with the Lions, you're not going to just send him out for less than you can get. So I think the possibility is very real that the Colts do not offer the most for him. That's why I can't give him 50% chance. I just can't do it in my head. I understand why you do, but I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to cross that threshold. I do think the Colts have the best chance for all the reasons, really, that Mike explained, that I I think Jim Irsay wants this team to be a contender, and Stafford is seen as the missing link on offense, much like DeForest Buckner was a missing link on defense or a quarterback, doesn't have to be Stafford, but a quarterback is the missing link on offense, and as DeForest Buckner was, as a big, powerful, game-changing three technique was on the defense. So, so do, do the Colts want it? Yeah, I think so. Is Stafford their guy? Yeah, I think so. But there, it's, it takes two to tango, as they say. And if, you're, if there's a better dancing partner out there 
then the Lions are going to leave the Colts uh, in the corner of the gym, uh, kind of the hands in their pockets and saying, well, we tried. So, uh, so, so we'll see. There, there's a lot to happen over the next couple months, Joe. Yeah, and I say that more as I think because the Colts are so ready to win and well-suited, they'd be willing to give up more capital because they have less pieces to fill around Stafford. Like, say New England wants to go after him. Who's Stafford going to go to? You know, they need draft picks and other uh, ammunition to build a team around Stafford, whereas the Colts are more ready to win right now, and just dropping Stafford in there basically makes them a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. Another thing I wanted to say before we move on from Stafford is that, you know, you, a lot of people cringe, including myself, about the idea of getting rid of two first round draft picks. But I think the proven commodity in Stafford is worth a lot more than people think. And you kind of think about some of the Colts' first draft picks over the past several years. Malik Coker, talented, didn't exactly work out. We can talk about it in a few minutes, but he's probably on his way out the door. Rocky Sin, the first pick from a couple years ago, he's kind of been up and down, struggled a little bit this past year. So just because you have those first-round picks doesn't mean they're guaranteed good players, no matter how good Chris Ballard and his staff are at drafting. Yeah, one thing I want to follow up on, and, and Dave really hit it on the head, is is the Lions are not going to let they're, – they're not going to be focused on what's the best place for Matthew Stafford. They're simply not. They're going to take – this is a cold-blooded business. They're going to take whatever the best – package is now like like you said maybe if it's close you think about that but this is you know loyalty stops at the front door they they will go with the best uh offer and one thing with the colts and let's say giving up two ones it's different it's different giving up two ones when it's 21 and maybe next year's if you hit on stafford it's 27 or 28 as opposed to giving up a nine and a 10 or a nine and 11. So, you know, all first round picks aren't created equal. So it might not hurt quite so much from, from Ballard's point of view with the idea of giving up two first round picks in the bottom third of the draft. Because again, the further you down you go, as we've talked about, there's more risk involved. So again, I'll fall back on what we said. This next month, six weeks is going to be intriguing to watch unfold it really is chris ballard has also traded away his last two first round picks let's let's admit admit that as well so he he, he's ready to wheel and deal with his first round picks Uh, he got to because because the one previous was was late in the round right right exactly and and that goes to your point the exact point you're making right now that if you're picking late in the first round well trade it down for a second and a fourth and then then see what happens after that you know so and then they were able to do that and Whatever. So I'm just, yeah, making the point that Boward is not not adverse to trading a uh, a late first round pick. So, so those are our thoughts on on Matthew Stafford. I'm going to say one thing before we move on to free agents, and that's just a discussion I had with with a with a gentleman on Facebook the other day, uh, just saying that Sam Darnold was was his choice and was uh, even over Matthew Stafford. I, I I just want to say, like, if you want Sam Darnold over Matthew Stafford, I don't know what to tell you. Um, like Sta- it, Stafford. Is is an established commodity in the NFL that you know what you're getting. Darnold is very much at least a project. If you think Carson Wentz is broken, what is Sam Darnold? He's he's done very little to be impressive in his first couple years in the NFL. People just see that he was taken in the top five in the NFL draft and know that he has potential. And yeah, he absolutely has potential, absolutely. But you're going to have to put so much stinking work into him, so much work into fixing what the Jets have broken. And also, I'm just going to say this, and then we can move on. Darnold, this past year, had four games, four out of the 12 that he started, where he crossed 200 yards. Only four. He never passed for 300 yards this year. Never. A good quarterback, even on a bad team, is able to hit 300 yards once. A good It sounds like Jacoby Brissett. It does. It does. A good quarterback, even on a bad team, is able to top 200 yards more than four in 12. Listen, and, 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 and I'm done. I'm done talking about Sam Darnold. If it's Sam Darnold that comes to the Colts next year, man, that, that's going to be – I think that's, that's a big disappointment, I do, especially when well, – just, uh, just, just think it might be Mitchell Trubisky. It could it, be Mitchell Trubisky. It might be Nick Foles. I mean, just Nick think Foles. of all the possibilities. 
And Joe's <laughs> wagging his head no, but I think he just again. made a bunch of people shut off the podcast with those suggestions, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's enough, though. No, as long as it's not, as it's not Sam Darnold. I'm not a Darnold fan. <laughs> I'd rather have you know, Darnold than Trubisky. He comes Trubisky. here and he, he's an All Pro. If if Sam Darnold comes here and is an All Pro, I'll print out this rundown and eat it. You know, then and I'll eat my words. The number of times you've threatened to eat the rundown, I almost think you want to eat the rundown. <laughs> 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 it's just it's how it's how sure I am that that's never going to happen. We should we should make a list out of the times that uh, that I've said I'm going to eat the rundown just uh, just in case we uh, we one day cross that uh, cross that threshold. But I really don't think it's going to be the case with Sam Darnold. But anyway, we mentioned the Colts have 64 million dollars in cap space entering this offseason. That is the second most in the NFL. But then the question arises, of course, how are you going to spend that cap space? Would love to get it on Matthew Stafford. At least a lot of Colts fans would. But there are some players who have been in-house that are going to be up for some of that money as well. Some guys who have retired, obviously, Philip Rivers had $25 million last year. He's not going to get any. He's retired. Anthony Costanzo, I think, was due about $10 million or $12 million, right around that range. He's not going to get 16. any. He's retired. 16, even more than that. There you go. Thank you, Mike. Um, but let's run down some guys who are, will be free agents, and we'll have a choice, uh, perhaps, whether to come back or not or the Colts at least have a choice whether to bring them back or not, or offer them to come back or not. Let's start with quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. 28 years old by the start of the 2021 season. Will he be back? If he's back, what will the contract look like? Mike, I know that Chris Ballard said in his postseason press conference he still loves Jacoby and not to count him out, but I'm counting out Jacoby Brissett because the Colts went out and got Phillip Rivers last year. If Brissett wasn't good enough last year, I can't see how he's good enough this year. If they bring him back, it will be on a backup contract. If Jacoby Brissett is your quarterback of the future, he would have been last year. But Dave, who's going to do their quarterback sneaks? And who's going to celebrate all the touchdowns that other people score? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's not going to be Jacoby Brissett as a starter. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, look, I'm there with you. Yeah, I, I think the only, the only way I thought that he might come back is if you stay at 21 and you you find a quarterback, Mac Jones, I don't know, and you let Brissett be the mentor, if that's the right word. But after listening to Jim Irsay yesterday, that's not what he wants. He, he doesn't want he doesn't want what he got the maturation process. He doesn't want that. So I don't think he comes back. I think there's going to be a market for him. I I, I just don't think with all the people we've talked about, Jacoby and and this please before you start sending us hate mail. This isn't trashing Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it, it, it just isn't. This is, this is kind of the market sets what it, you know, it sets what it is. And what's he going to command on the open market? I, I just don't see. And if he comes back here, what are you going to pay him to be a backup to Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan or Sam Darnold? Uh, you can't do You just can't do it. It doesn't work. I think Jacoby Brissett might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And, and, that, that's maybe to some the backhanded compliment, but I think it's a compliment because you're, you're one of the best 40 quarterbacks in, in, in the world. That, that's pretty good. Like, an NFL team would feel very comfortable with Jacoby Brissett as their backup quarterback, but I just don't see him as the guy who can take this team to the next level, as Jim Irsay is saying they need to go. So, so if he comes back, it's going to be as a backup. And well, but, that, but, then, yeah. but, but what do you pay me? Let's exactly. say hypothetically you're, you're going to give – Matthew Stafford will count. Was it twenty million or is it twenty three million this it's year? I can't Twenty twenty one this year. Okay, then you're going to pay Brissett ten million as a backup. I mean, really, with all the and other people, issues yeah. you have, it just doesn't. Work. Right, and, and and I agree. To to pay the best backup quarterback in the NFL, you need to pay him best backup quarterback in the NFL money. I think it's unlikely Jacoby Brissett will be back unless it's on a very team friendly contract. T. Y. Hilton, wide receiver, thirty one years old by the start of the twenty twenty one season. T.Y. has played nine years in the NFL, uh, beginning in 2012. Will he be back in 2021? And uh, Joe, uh, T.Y. said at the start of last year that he wanted to sign one more contract and be done. So I know that he did not have exactly the type of season that, uh, that jumps off the sheet statistically wise, but he was still effective uh, absolutely from time to time, if not more than that. So what are your thoughts about T.Y. Hilton? Will he be back? What could a contract look like? If you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have told you no. But now, after kind of the year he's had, it's weird because he didn't put up the numbers that 
he can go on to the open market and demand big time money. But he's still, if you watch the games, especially in the second half of the season, he still showed the ability to put up 100 yards in a touchdown or beat you deep. He, he still looked like the same T.Y. Hilton to me. So I do think that he's back on a more team-friendly contract, maybe a two-, three-year deal that's really you can get out after two years and he gets paid roughly 10 to $12 million a year, something like that. Because T.Y. Hilton is still an important piece of this receiver corp. You take out T.Y. Hilton and your top guys, all of a sudden Michael Pittman Jr. and maybe Paris Campbell if he is healthy. That's a lot less exciting. So I think T.Y.'s back on a team-friendly deal. Mike, what do you think? You know, it's, it, it's funny. The more you listen to these, to Reich and Ballard and Ursay, they want him back. I don't. Some of what Ballard said the other day was he was he was kind of giving these guys a send-off, a, a, a nice, you know, thanks for the time, but we're going to move on. I really think they want this to work with T.Y. And, and as Joe mentioned, as, and Ursay really talked about, he tends to ramble, but but he talks about it. It's going to come down to what will it take? What what can we offer? But more than that, what will Ty accept? Now you can't shame him with a bottom, you know, bottom. The ten million a year again, three years, thirty million. Where it's really two years or or whatever, it, it makes sense. The guaranteed money will be important, but I don't think they're just blowing smoke on on, on how they value Ty. It's simply going to be. Does T.Y. think he can get more out there? And and Joe probably knows as well as anyone. Look at the free agent wide receiver class this year. It's loaded. It is just simply loaded. And I don't know that someone's going to go over the top and give T.Y. that mega contract. So I think there's at least a 50-50 chance he's back next year. Maybe a little higher. Not 75 <laughs> with, with, with Matthew, Matthew Stafford, <laughs> but I think there's a good chance he's back. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd lean toward T.Y. returning to the Colts, and I think three years is about the, the sweet spot for him. If the Colts offer him two or three years, that's probably what what uh, Ballard would want. Um, I doubt what, that you want to team's going to offer him like a five-year deal? You know exactly. what I'm saying? He's no 31. Right. No one is. And, and like Mike said, with all the wide receivers that are available, like the teams that want to pay for a wide receiver might look elsewhere. So T.Y.'s options will, as a 31-year-old, uh, likely be limited. Um and I think a lot of Colts fans would love to see him back. They, they love T.Y. I think T.Y. is great. He's always been nice with us. Exactly. Joe's doing the T.Y. in his living room right now. Um, so, so T.Y., I think we all think will be back. And, and for me, this I lean more even in T.Y.'s favor coming back because Pitton was good last year. He wasn't great. And Paris Campbell got hurt. And so I think if Paris had really taken a step forward last year, that might have given Chris Ballard a reason to move on. And especially if Ballard's going to trade away his first and second round pick for Matthew Stafford. Let's just go down that road for a second. You can't get a, a, a dynamic playmaking, obviously going to start in the NFL wide receiver in the third round. You're probably not going to do that. So maybe if you although still that, have... Although, although that's where T.Y. Exactly. That is where T.Y. came, ironically. <laughs> so, so it proved me wrong immediately. I, but I'm there would be a wrong. maturation process. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, anyway, but anyway. Um, I think we, we all agree that T.Y. will likely be back. How about Justin Houston, 32 years old by the start of the 2021 season? The, uh, the NFL's safety king, self-proclaimed, and he should be, even though he's tied technically. Will Justin Houston be back in 2021? The defensive end position is particularly interesting because Danico Autry and Al-Qadim Muhammad are also free agents this offseason. But guys, you look at those three. And those are three playmakers at defensive end. Ben Banigou did not do that much this year. In fact, he was inactive a lot, a healthy scratch. And Kamoko Ture did not exactly come back in the way that a lot of Colts fans had hoped. He was very limited and not all that effective in the time that he was on the field. So you look at guys like Houston, Autry, and Muhammad. Uh, Mike, out of those three, do you think any one has more of a chance to be back with the team or less of a chance to be back with the team? This is a tough call. It, it, it's, and it's hard to, to really for me to say this, but of these three, Autry brings more to your defense, I think. And yet, Justin Houston is a guy who commands more attention, although how many games were there this year where Justin Houston simply was a non-factor? I... One of them probably back. If, if the, the most likely guy to come back is Muhammad, because he'll be the the, the least expensive. Uh, but how do you not bring back Justin Houston until you know 
who your pass rusher successor is. And again, what's the market for Justin Houston for a 32-year-old pass rusher? Maybe decent. How much will Ballard pay? This is tough. And I, I'd be simply just totally guessing on a percentage. But to me, Autry gives you the most all-around play. But those those games where Houston steps up and is a factor, those guys are just so hard to find. Yeah, Joe, Joe, you look at those three. I think two of them come back, and I think Muhammad's one of them. But I don't think they pay both Houston and Autry just with how, what they're going to have to do this offseason in terms of signing other guys. Um, and Ballard's also always ready to extend guys who aren't quite up yet, like he did with Kenny Moore, like he did with Rigoberto Sanchez. Um, like The Colts want to pay their own. And guys like Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson are slowly getting to that point where they're going to be eligible for a contract extension. So um, so I think only two of these. And then it comes down to Danico or Houston, both guys who, who at their best are darn good, but also disappear at times. So I would, I would hesitate to say that all three of these guys will be back. And certainly I think it's going to be one of the two, Houston or Autry, that uh, has to go elsewhere. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think they're going to be able to bring back Houston and Autry. I kind of like what Mike said about Autry's the better all-around player, and he only had, what was it, one sack less than Houston this year, half a sack less than Houston. So I'm kind of thinking the Colts bring back Autry if, you know, his price is right, and I don't think he's going to have a huge market on the free agency. Um, Because then you have your two young speed rushers and Trey and hopefully Banigou to come off the right side. And th- that's pretty much what Houston brings you at this point is just the pass rush. You know, I think Autry's a better run defender at this point in his career. So if you're going to have just the pass rush, maybe you can see if you're two speed rushers and Trey and Banigou and maybe someone you add in the draft and maybe Alkandi Muhammad too, all of them combined can be what Justin Houston gave you. And then you retain Autry. That, that, that's where, kind of where I'm thinking right now. Let's go to corner. Because one of the most intriguing players in this Colts free agent class is, is Xavier Rhodes, who uh, the Colts brought in on a one-year prove-it deal, and he proved it. He was uh, the best first cornerback since Vontae Davis in 2014, 2015. There was a year there where Vontae didn't allow a touchdown. Now, Xavier wasn't quite at that level, but he certainly bounced back from his disappointing 2019 season, which was a Pro Bowl season with the Vikings, but he really made it based off reputation. Rhodes had a solid year by any stretch with the Colts, not without mistakes, but was a legitimate CB1. I like to throw out the term QB1. He was a CB1. TJ Carey, also a free agent. Both of these two, Rhodes and Carey, are 31 years old. Carey has the added benefit. He can play on the inside um, as the nickel. Um, the Colts are going to get Marvell Tell back, we think, next year. He opted out of this year due to COVID-19. Um, so that's an addition that the Colts will have in the secondary that wasn't there this year. Uh, after that, though, the, these two, like like I said, Mike, I think Rhodes is really intriguing, and I'm I'm really split 50-50 whether I think the Colts are going to bring him back. I think I think they do because uh, I, I think they, you know, he, he he's they're going to have to pay him right now. Right now they're going to have to pay him a little bit. For, no question. What was it? Three million this past year? I think it was one yeah, year, was three two. million. I think he. I don't want to say. <laughs> It sounds a bit, he scares me. He, he's the guy that I would just be concerned about giving the big contract. Because, again, he had the two be, the two down years in Minnesota, which made him available. How would he come back and play with a, with a semi-decent contract? I don't know, at, at that age. But I think that I do think they will pay him uh, as, as long as he'll take a semi-decent contract. But I think he's back. I don't think T.J. Carey comes back unless it's on another one of those you know, lesser contracts. I, I think he's the kind of guy, although he had a great year for him, he really did. He's the kind of guy you can find later on. I think Xavier Rhodes is gone. I think uh, between his reputation, you know, he had a couple down years. He had one good year now with the Colts. I think he's going to get paid on the market somewhere around three years, 30 million, 10 million a year, and the Colts aren't going to be willing to pony that up. And I really like Mike said, he's scared of Xavier Rhodes. I don't think whatever team pays Xavier Rhodes is going to get what they're paying for him. So I think he's gone, and I think they might bring back Kerry because he did play well for them, and they can have him for a lot cheaper. And like you said, Dave, he can play inside if anything happened to Kenny Moore. Yeah, well, in, in, yeah in, in that scenario, in that scenario, I agree. If they don't bring back Rhodes, then I, then I do bring back Kerry because he gives you flexibility, and he's going to be a ton lot cheaper. 
Staying in the, uh, the secondary, Molly Cooker, 25 years old. He is young, man, and he is talented. The start of the 2021 season, he'll be 25. But with the play of Julian Blackman and with the emergence of Kari Willis, guys, I, I would put it at less than 5% that Malik Hooker will be a Colt next year. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's risky to, to read into things when you talk to the owner, the coach, and the GM. But look, that was two and a half hours of conversation with these guys. I don't believe Malik Hooker's name came up. I don't I think mean, it did. Once, I mean, does that, that tell we talked about everyone else. Will Holden's name came up for crying out loud. And I just think they're going to move on. It's unfortunate. I, I don't know that Hooker really fits in his defense as well. And the in, the injuries are the reason they didn't give him the, his fifth-year extension. And then he goes out and really, you know, blows out. Well, he was one of the Achilles guys. You yeah. agree, Joe? I agree. I'm not sure what else there is to say other than I think Hooker can go somewhere else and have a fantastic career if he can stay healthy. But Mm -hmm. I think the Colts have two good young safeties. They're not going to pay a safety who doesn't fit in the defense and who's been hurt a lot. To me, the second most intriguing free agent the Colts have after Xavier Rose this offseason is Anthony Walker. Uh, 26 years old, Walker will be by the start of the 2021 season. Um, I I forget who it was, but it might have been Frank uh, Reich saying, if Anthony Walker wants to be a head coach when he's done playing, he'll be a head coach. If he wants to be in the front office after he's done playing, he'll be in a front office. Um, Walker is one of the smartest guys you will meet. Um, he is a very good middle linebacker. D- uh, Darius Leonard called him the best middle linebacker in the NFL. The Colts aren't going to pay him like the best middle linebacker in the NFL. So he's a guy, again, like Joe was referring to with Xavier Rhodes, that could get a bigger payday elsewhere than the Colts are looking for. But uh, also with the, uh, Bobby Okereke here uh, with the Colts, who could be someone who they could trade for Matthew Stafford or another quarterback. I'm just saying if uh, Detroit was looking for a player, a sure player, rather than a draft pick to build around in a defensive end, Okereke might be the guy they go for because the Colts aren't going to give up Darius Leonard or Kenny Moore. So uh, Anthony Walker to me is intriguing. That if, if Okereke is gone in a trade, then I think you want to bring him back. But if Okereke is not gone in a trade... I don't know if the Colts are going to be able to afford him. Joe, I'll start with you, and then we'll go to Mike. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. If you trade Okariki, maybe try and bring back Walker. I don't think he's going to command a ton of money. You know, he's a good linebacker, but he's not necessarily a playmaking linebacker who comes up with all these turnovers and really changes the game for you. Um, It kind of depends on what they have to give away, but if I had to bet, I would say Anthony Walker does not get a new contract with the Colts. Yeah, it was it was Chris Ballard had mentioned uh, head coach GM oh, yeah. material. Okay, uh, but I, and again, I, I think that the sad part is is that Walker plays the the third most important linebacker position with his team, and I, I don't mean that to diminish what he's done for him. I mean he, he's a tackle machine, but I think when you've got you're going to pay Darius Leonard, they're going to make him the highest paid linebacker in the league, and you've got Okariki who who's only getting better and better. There's an odd man out, and it's going to, it's probably going to be Anthony Walker. How about Marlon Mack, running back, who was primed to be the not the bell cow in this attack this year, but certainly the the first option. But with his injury week one, Jonathan Taylor comes in. Taylor's the third leading rusher in the NFL, topping a thousand yards, and especially over the past five or six weeks of the season was just dynamite. I don't think Marlon Mack comes back. And it's going to be, as Chris Ballard said, to get paid. Mike, it sounded like, from what Ballard was saying, saying Mac deserves to get paid. I don't think it's going to be by the Colts, because once again, they're going to try to spend their money elsewhere. I thought, again, we talked earlier about how some of the time when Frank, but primarily Chris, talked about certain players, whether it was an endorsement to come back or a, Hey, we really appreciate what you've done for us, but I think this is one of those but things. Uh, more crunching injury, crushing injury than Marlon Max Achilles. I mean, really, uh, he, he's just getting his legs under him. He's just emerging. What was it, the second possession of the season? Was and uh, now I, we we could have argued whether he would have been back. Let's say he had a good year, thousand yards. Would he been back anyway? Because if, if Jonathan Taylor is what we saw him to be, that's that's why you took Taylor in the second round this year is is to move on to sort of recycle the position. 
But I, I hope this kid gets a chance, gets back healthy, and gets a chance to get a good contract. Maybe not this offseason. He's going to have to take that, that one year. But, boy, when Marlon Mack is, is on, he's the top 15 running back. He simply is. Joe, any thoughts to add? Yeah, I was just going to say I think his chances of returning go up with the Achilles injury because his cost to pay him is going to be way down. You know, if he's going to be signing a one year, say $3 million, similar to what Rhodes signed last year, I think that helps his chances of returning the Colts. But I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he can prove his worth, maybe like the Jets backfield where he gets a chance to start and then get a new contract after that. So I don't think he's back. Well, Raven Clark will be a free agent as well. The Colts signed him to a one-year deal last year to back up Anthony Costanzo. He played a little bit, very meh, but uh, I, I don't think Raven Clark's your left tackle of the future, Mike. Uh, do the Colts bring him back as the reserve again? I want to say no, because I think they think you can get a little Raven Clark out there. And he broke out his Achilles in November? Yeah, December? it was late in the year. So there's a, there's a decent chance he won't be ready by training camp. I think he's the one, and again, we, he, he's been easy to criticize, but we saw the value of Raven Clark when he wasn't out there. You know, at the end, they had to go out and get Jared Banton Velda here off the street. Right. So, but I, but I I think no, because I think you think you can get that type of a player in the free agent market or in the draft, perhaps. Joe? Uh, agreed. I was shocked to see he was 28 years old. Uh, what's he been doing all these years? <laughs> Thankfully, Costanzo's backup is what he's been doing. Costanzo's right. been pretty healthy, but um, I don't think he's back. I think the Colts know and want something better than LaRaven Clark. Um, so I think the Colts move on. The Colts have three restricted free agents as well. Just the rules to re-sign them are slightly different than there are uh, pure free agents. Um, we can blow through them quickly because this is already a longer-than-usual Colts Blue Zone podcast. But Zach Paschal, Mo Alleycox, George Odom, uh, guys being restricted free agents, I think all of them, the Colts want them all to be back, so that means they'll probably all be back. And I think Paschal and Odom especially, I'd put them at like 95% they'll be back. They love Paschal. They love Odom. And uh, Mo Alleycox, is, as much as up and down he's been, they still really like him as a tight end, as both a blocker and a receiver. So I, I would bet that all three of these guys are back next year. Yeah, because again, I, I need to look at the, what the tenders are. You probably doing the, is it a second round tender? I think it's a is, is it a first round, second round, and then right of first refusal, whatever, whatever it is. Right. It's not it's, it's not exorbitant. And I tell you, Pascal's a guy, and Odom as well. But their value just transcends what they do on the field. So yeah, I think they're both back. And I think you're still intrigued by what by by Mo's. World, so and again, the price is not exorbitant at all for restricted guys. I think they're all three back. I agree with you guys being restricted, and also these are all the kind of players, the role players that they're going to have the most value with the Colts than they would going right. to a new organization and having to chip away, you know, a new role for themselves. So I think all the three of these guys are wearing the horseshoe next year. I did forget one. Sorry about that, Joe. I skipped over Trey Burton as well, who'll be 29 years old. The Mo Alley Cox reminded me as tight end. So Burton will be a free agent next year as well. I don't know if he's going to be back. I would probably lean no. Um, I don't think he impressed me all that much this year. He was okay at times, but um, but by far did not live up to what he was doing in training camp, which was uh, catching. It seemed like every third ball from Rivers was a uh, just a over the middle Trey Burton right behind the the linebackers, uh, but. But in the regular season, just didn't turn to that. He was injured a little bit at times. Um, I, I think the Colts might look elsewhere. And, and that's another thing, Mike, that uh, Jim Irsay was talking about, the need for playmakers. And if you want a playmaking tight end, I think Travis Kelsey is a name that kept up. Obviously, Trey Burton is no Travis Kelsey. Nobody's a Travis Kelsey. Let, let's throw that out there immediately. So if you're looking to try to make a bigger step forward in terms of a playmaker at that position, maybe elsewhere. I don't think Trey Burton's going to come back. That's just me. I wouldn't be surprised if he returns, but I don't think he will. Again, I think it's it's a different level than LaRaven Clark, but I think that's a he, he's the worst that you would want at the position, I guess. And you think you can find somebody better, you know? And I realize it's a bad name to throw out there, but Eric Eric, Eric Ebron type of guy, that's the kind of playmaker I think they're they're looking to get. They're not going to get a top five tight end. It's just It'd not be Zach happen. Ertz, Zach Ertz from Philly. There hey, you yo. go. Frank loves there him. There you go. Zach Hurts, Hunter Henry, possibly, although he's going to cost money. 
I swear we've talked about Hunter Henry the last two off seasons, Joe. Like, <laughs> now this will be third in a row. Well, they franchised him last year. Oh, so. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Options galore. Anyway, that was a good one, guys. That was a lot of information in one podcast. Quarterbacks, Stafford, Darnold, all our favorites. <laughs> and we didn't even talk to Andrew Luck. And that's a good time to wrap up this Colts Blue Zone podcast. We do thank you so much for listening, and we hope you subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. You can also follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. And Mike Chappell is at MChapel 51 Thanks so much once again, and we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>